Welcome to the Bear Essentials Podcast, where the talk is real and hibernating on your goals is not an option. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Charles Wallace. Today's guest participates in something that, for me personally, I am not very good at, and that is running. He has competed in marathons and ultra runs across the country. So today, I wanted to get into what drives him to compete in these events. And I'm hoping that not just for me, but for the audience, he may be able to give us some tips to help us improve on our running and overall cardio in general. So please join me in welcoming Kyle Clouston to the show. Hey, Kyle, thanks for joining the show. I really appreciate you taking some time today to join us. Could you introduce yourself to the audience? Tell just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, good morning, Charlie. So my name is Kyle Clouston. Um, I live here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, is one of my big hobbies or passion. Um, I'm a runner and specifically an ultra runner. Um, technically speaking, ultra running is anything over a traditional marathon, which is 26.2 miles. So when it comes to ultra marathoning, um, common distances are anything from 31 miles to 100 miles. Um, I've been lucky enough to finish five 100 mile races, and I've also been a part of other large races across the country. And I'm lucky enough to work with um, different athletes, anywhere from training with a marathon or for a marathon and going all the way up. I've crewed at a race called uh, Badwater 135 which is uh, joking with the others. Uh, like that's where I met David Goggins, um, Badwater 135 is regarded as the toughest foot race in the world. So, um, I haven't personally ran that yet, but I've been out there three times. And so again, just fortunate to be involved with the running community and all things related to running. So look forward to talking to you this morning and giving you all the crazy details about what goes into to running really, really long distances. So, Kyle, what really interested me about interviewing you was this. I'm just going to be totally honest with everyone. Cardio, running, I suck at it. <laughs> I hate it. And I have to force myself to do it. So when I heard about you and I just hear about running and then ultra running, taking it to the next level, I said, you know what? I really have to interview this guy because – one of my quests and one of the things I'm trying to do with my audience is about mindset and me understanding myself that with my mindset, this is something I really have to work to force myself. I'm really hoping today to talk through it and maybe get some tips as far as mindset to maybe help me. I mean, I'll be quite frank to get off my ass more and, <laughs> and get better at running and cardio. Sure. So for you, I'm sure does running start when you're younger? Is it, kind of a passion as you're younger are you involved in it in high school any type of cross country anything like that yeah so I played sports all growing up started at a really young age I uh, did some local races but kind of like you I played competitive soccer for a really long time I didn't play soccer in high school but I played competitive soccer growing up where we played internationally played against teams from Mexico and Argentina so having that soccer background there's a lot of runners that start playing soccer and they're just used to running five or 10 miles during a given game. So 
just a general athletic background and being introduced to it early on got me started. And, and that's definitely a nice head start, but in the running and the ultra running community, there's definitely people and, uh, candidly, you can kind of see it by looking at them that don't come from an athletic background or playing other sports. And they're still able, uh, to have a lot of success when you get into those really long distances. So it's interesting you bring that up because yes, I did. I played competitive soccer for a lot of my youth high school after high school, uh, semi-professionally. And I still hate running. I hate cardio. Right. <laughs> but during soccer, like, I guess for my mindset, I could go and run short distances. Like I'm, I'm okay with running sprints and yeah. I, I got that mentality where I can do anything for 10 to 20 to 30 seconds. What is it? And I'm sure there's kind of, and maybe for me and for others, maybe it's more about, about the mindset that something just clicks with me after a certain amount of time where it becomes a little bit monotonous. And then maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe a lot of people are overthinking it. Is there ways mentally that you need to push through that in order to go for that amount of time and for those long distances? Yeah, and that leads me to think about one thing, Charlie, that I will use awfully or often, and maybe I plagiarize this from somewhere, but I think there's athletes that enjoy pain, and I think that kind of fits you. You like that short, intense, you can handle that pain, that confrontation. <laughs> I hate it, man. I hate getting punched in the face. I'm not a pain guy, but man, I can suffer. I can go... I could be inconvenienced. I could have a light bulb out in my bathroom for six months and never change it. And just, I just don't care. I just can suffer. And so I think naturally people kind of fall into one of those two camps. Some, again, some people like to get punched in the face. Other people would rather walk around in the woods and uh, have a rash for six hours and it doesn't bother them. So part of it, I think is a little bit natural, but I think, um, to your point, I think it can be learned how to suffer. Um, the first part or a key part mentally is just having a why, um, that why can change for different people on different days, but I'm not going to go wander around, run or put myself through a 10 mile race where I suffer if I don't have a good why. And so again, that changes sometimes that it's an ego thing where I have a competitive drive that I want to improve my time. Other times it's thinking about my kids or even and again, to use a, to like a music <laughs> background. So sometimes I need to have a radio station, so to speak, where it needs to be intense. And I need that why needs to be kind of out of anger or a place of uh, just getting a little bit of chip on my shoulder. And then other times I need to put Otis Redding or um, Sam Cook in my radio when I'm running. And it just needs to be kind of zoned out, easygoing, and that why needs to be more of a meditative, relaxed um, approach. And so, again, it can vary based off of a given day and that, but I'm kind of digressing. So, yeah, I, I, to, to close the circle on that, though, I, I think it can be learned knowing how to suffer. It's just you have to have that core reason why you want to do it. Yeah, and I definitely want to get into your why a little bit more. You just touched on something, though, that I thought was interesting. Or You say pain, and then you say suffering. For me, 
I've always felt that pain was a part of suffering, but the way you just talked about that, it has me thinking a little bit now that maybe pain really isn't suffering. Could you just go into that a little more what you meant by that? Because I think that's a really interesting point. Sure. So in my running, I will run races that are one mile and then I'll run races that are a hundred miles. So when I run a one mile race, that's going to take me less than five minutes. And that's essentially a sprint for me. So when I'm 30 seconds into a one mile race, man, that shit hurts. It's just, it's an intense pain. It's acute. My heart's pumping. I can taste, get that lactic acid, metallic taste in my mouth. That to me is pain. That's just, I need to, I'm brought right to it. There's a conflict within me. I need to deal with intense, acute pain early on in a one mile race. In a hundred mile race where I'm out there for 18 to 20 hours, I'm running at an aerobic pace that isn't difficult for me. So those, I can go for three or four hours and run 20, 30 miles. And I really don't experience anywhere close to that same amount of physical pain that I would in that one mile race, but other factors start coming in hunger, um, just general fatigue. Um, my feet are hurting. And so there's a different group of things, just objectively speaking, that I need to deal with suffering wise, because I'm not going hard enough that I'm feeling that acute pain that I would in a one mile race. Yeah, that was really interesting, because I've spoken to um, a bunch of different people about different mental aspects of all things related to fitness and working out. And you honestly were the first person that kind of put a differentiator between pain and suffering. And hearing you explain it that way, I get it now. I totally agree with you. Yes, I can deal with pain. I, I'll probably go as far as to say, and people might think I'm crazy. I enjoy pain. Yeah. I guess though, my mindset, I need to get better at suffering. And that's one thing I'm already taking away from this. So that was good. So Kyle, you spoke about your why a little bit and looking at your bio, you had, you had a really good cross country career in high school. And then I think like a lot of us were high school athletes. We might be collegiate athletes, right? We get to a point though, where something happens, we're done. We start to digress somewhat in our fitness and, you know, we hit maybe what's our rock bottom. Um, could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So like you said, after high school, I didn't, have anything exciting or eventful and just was your average 18 to 22 year old kid um, working, hanging out with friends, having a, <laughs> having too much of a good time. Um, and I just didn't really have a purpose. It wasn't that I was a loser or was doing anything crazy. Just, I didn't have a purpose. I, I mean, I would go to work, hang out with friends and that was kind of it. And so once some things didn't go my way and I got put in a situation where I really didn't like it, I, at 22 years old, I was super lucky to have a reality check and be put in a situation that I really didn't like. And I kind of had a epiphany over a long period of time that said, you know, I can sit around and scoop shit the rest of my life, or I can kind of find what my passion is and what my purpose is. And that was going beyond work and just running. Like, like I said, I grew up playing sports and particularly running and 
I love sports. I need, whether I'm able to run in 20 years or golf or coach my kids, sports are a pivotal part of my life and I need to be involved in them. And so through some bad experiences, I was able to find out when I was 22 years old that I needed something more than just punching a time clock every day. So by going through a bad experience, that put a chip on my shoulder. And I really felt like I not only had something to prove, but I had something again with running. I was passionate about, um, and, and I can continually come back, even though it was 13, 14 years ago, if things aren't going good or I'm having a bad day, I can come back to that and like say, Hey, do I want to be where I was at when I was 22 or 23 years old? And the answer is no. And so that, um, whether it's work related or running related, that gets my butt out of bed and I can, it's easy to kind of deal with some of the, the stuff that might not be going well in a given day, because I know what my life could have been like. And so. Again, I don't know if I'm kind of rambling there, but uh, hopefully that gave you some little carrots as far as my why and that. Yeah, no, Kyle, that's really good because in some of the past interviews I've done, we've been touching on this topic a lot. And I said something the other day, and I'm going to say it again for any of the listeners who may not have heard it during that podcast. But in getting a chance to speak to different types of people during this podcast, I think the one thing that has become extremely evident to me is that regardless of what our past is, yes, use your past, look back at your past to see how far you've come, but don't be naive enough to not allow your past to motivate your future. If you do that, you're, you're screwed. And I think you said it. It's that past I tell people all the time, I look in the mirror, what I see, I see that overweight, basically fat shit looking back at me. And I'm determined that that's where he's going to stay. That guy now for me is always going to be the man in the mirror. But you know what? That man in the mirror is also the boogeyman because it scares the hell out of me. And I think we need that. So hearing you talk about it, too, those bad experiences. Yes, that's part of life. That's part of what happens to us all but allow it to motivate us, allow it to drive us and allow it to put that chip on your shoulder because you know what? That chip on our shoulder is only going to cause us to keep growing and to keep becoming the best version of ourselves. So I'm really glad you touched on that. Um, so you're, you have a bad experience, you get back into running and I'm sure this is gradual, right? I mean, at least please tell me it's gradual, right? You don't <laughs> oh, just yeah. say, you don't just say, hey, you know, what? I'm going to run 100 miles, right? Can you maybe walk us through how it how it happens and the gradual like mileage, how, how you basically say, let's run maybe a 5K, then maybe it's a marathon, then holy hell, now I really want to challenge myself and go for the ultra marathon. Yeah, and to that point, it is kind of scary. It snowballs and it's definitely addictive. Once you get into that stuff, it, it continues to progress. But I think there's a common misconception. I think like running magazines have a bad habit of doing this too, is I think a lot of people are looking for a three or four month fix as far as running is concerned. And I was guilty of that for my first two races. They think, okay, I need to get my shit together. I want to sign up for a half marathon or a marathon. And then they'll find a plan online and think that three or four months, they can just snap their fingers and, and finish a race. And they totally can't. That's, that's a good approach. And there's countless people that have really done well, just 
getting back into being healthy and running by doing a short-term plan. But for me, to your point, it takes a long time and it's not sexy to say it, but shit, it's taken me 10, 12 years to build my aerobic fitness on where it's at. So it, it definitely progresses from a physical training standpoint. But yeah, I started in 2009 doing my first marathon and I thought it was a bucket list thing. Okay. It's done. Um, running a marathon or an ultra marathon is kind of like going out and drinking tequila. Uh, you wake up the next morning and think, holy shit, I'm never doing this again. And then a week later thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to start planning out my next night out. And that's the way I was too. So uh, a year later, I was lucky enough to qualify for the Boston marathon on my second race. And then again, I thought that was going to just take care of it. And I started reading articles on ultra marathoning and thought, oh yeah, this, this sounds cool. And so I did my first 50 mile race in 2012 and I met a really good and bad influence, um, <laughs> at that race. And that, that inspired me too. And so, yeah, to your point though, from a training standpoint, great to start off and just get back into it over a three or four month time, but people need to be realistic to get a good aerobic running base. It can take, it can take years of just being consistent. So you, you right away, you throw out about the Boston marathon. Now for me, a guy who doesn't run, right. That to me seems like the, that's like epic to me, right. That you competed in the Boston marathon, but then I read a little more, and for me, at least, when I see some of the other races you've participated in after that, the Boston Marathon to me looks like the stroll around the block. So could you maybe talk us through or some of those longer distance race races and some of those races you've recently competed in? Yeah. So the, the cool thing about the, the longer ultra races versus something like the Boston marathon, don't get me wrong. The Boston marathon was one of the neatest experiences I've ever had. Um, but the Boston marathon is very controlled. It's very safe. Um, running 26 miles is never easy and Boston's a, a definitely a tough race, but you have people surrounding you. You're in front of a crowd. If you trip and break your ankle, there's medical support. Um, just generally speaking, when you get into these long ultra races, a lot of them are on trails. So single track trails. Um, one of the biggest races I've done for ultra marathoning, it's called Western States 100. So this is on a trail, um, in, in the Eastern Sierras in California that used to be a pony express trail from Salt Lake city to Sacramento. So for that race, you climb, I think almost 20,000 feet and you descend almost 25,000 feet and it's all remote wilderness. I mean, people have got killed by cougars on the course. And so you're in the elements. And so it, I, I think of your, your previous guest that was the Navy SEAL and <laughs> by no means am I comparing myself to him, but I mean, those guys put, get put into crappy situations where they don't have any controls or any safeguards and they have to learn how to deal with all the elements. And, and that's the difference between the Boston marathon to these longer ultra trail races is there's just so many more elements and different things, whether it's nature or just the remoteness or the terrain that you have to deal with that, that challenges you in a whole new level than running on the paved streets of the Boston Marathon. So when you say that now, again, maybe this is the crazy side of me, but I, I'm listening to you say that people getting killed by cougars on the, on the track, right? On the path. And you talk about it like that. I'm, my mind starts going, 
shit, maybe the cardio aspect aside, that might be something, you know, I won't mind trying, right? That That's this kind of stuff that makes me really intrigued that I want to start doing more of and trying to challenge myself with things like that, right? I want to, I basically want to be not in control and I want to be in spots where it's not safe and I want to see how I react to the adversity. And I've found that lately, as I've been on my journey trying to get healthy, it's becoming more and more of a mind over physical, basically, where I want to be pushed. I want my mind to be pushed, but I also want my physical limits to be pushed. And I feel like for me, some of the best ways to maybe do that is by taking the safety elements out of it by lack of control. And that, that to me really seems intriguing. Are there times during that though, Kyle, where, you know, deepest, darkest places of your mind, it's kind of like, shit, what am I doing here? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a couple of quick stories on that. So one of the, the first real bad experiences I had that was I was doing a hundred mile race in the backwoods of Arkansas. And so I was, I was out there. I think I've been out there for like 18 hours and they have wild boars, they have snakes, all these different things. And, uh, one of the big challenges with ultra running too, when you get a hundred miles, there for six in the morning till eight o'clock at night the lights come off and so i'm 75 80 miles in the race my headlamp goes out i i'm carrying a little crappy flashlight from walmart i'm hallucinating i'm hearing all these noises your stomach's messing with you and think oh my god what the hell am i where am i at i'm in i'm in backwoods arkansas like you you just have to that to your point like what you're looking for is when you get in those situations you just have to learn not to panic and i'll admit that situation i did panic and i just started 80 miles in the race i started running really fast to get to the next checkpoint so i could get batteries well i panicked so much my dumb ass didn't realize i had batteries for my headlamp in my little pack if I wouldn't have panicked, I could have just changed a headlamp and prevented hours of hallucinating, thinking I had wild boars chasing after me. Um, <laughs> so that was one of them. And then uh, for that Badwater 135 I was talking about, uh, that's 135 miles from Badwater Basin in Death Valley, California, the hottest place in the world, to the trailhead of Mount Whitney, which is the highest point in the continental U.S. And again, I didn't run that race, but one of my best friends did, uh, Pete Kostelnik, he used to have the course record there. Um, For that race, I helped crew them. And so as a crew, you drive along in a van and you support them just you drive up a mile on the road, support them, give everything. And when you're out in Death Valley, if your car breaks down or anything goes bad, it's so remote. You don't get cell phone service. I mean, it was 115, 120. And so, yeah, there's times there, even just from a crew perspective, where I thought, God, if somebody offered me a ride in an ambulance right now, I would take it. But you just, it, it you'd learn over time again, just like the Navy SEAL you were talking about, it's not easy. And sometimes you might fail on it, but you definitely learn to get put into situations where you can't panic and you just have to break it down and think, okay, these are my three objectives. I have to drink water. I have to eat food and I have to 
dump water in my head to stay cool. And so <laughs> that's something I haven't learned yet. But and then again, the neat thing is I've, I've been lucky enough to go to the backwoods of Arkansas, the mountains of Virginia, Death Valley, California, um, the north woods up in Minnesota. And so <laughs> if I'm going to be in bad situations, at least I've got to be in some some pretty beautiful spots throughout the U.S. Uh, having those really interesting experiences. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. And it's it makes me sitting here in Philadelphia say, wow, I would love to, I would love to try that. We'll see how I feel maybe an hour from now after I after I uh, let it all sink in. All right. So I know you mentioned that you do some coaching when it comes to running. And I'm very interested in this for my own for my own benefit. I've been thinking about this small goal, but I definitely want to at least this year in the near nearer future, considering my cardio is shit as far as long distances. I want to at least start with a 5K. I think that's probably a good spot to start for me. Um, I know you've probably been approached by people in general about coaching, things like that. Not just for me, but somebody who's thinking about maybe doing a 5K, probably varying levels of fitness, trying to give the audience a feel of maybe a small training plan that could maybe help someone who's interested in running, just wants to get back in some shit, in, into some better shape what you would suggest. Yeah. So I, I think with anybody, whether it's a 5k or a hundred mile race, the biggest thing that I'll try to motivate somebody on is, or I guess from my own coaching perspective, somebody taught me through baseball is you got to teach kids to love it before they can learn it. And so just for example, if I was working with you, I'm, you're probably not going to love aerobic or, or cardio stuff early on, but I would need big picture. I would need to break it up in a way for you that it's somewhat enjoyable for you and it's manageable. Um, I think one of the things I do well with the athletes I work with is I don't work with professional athletes. Everybody I work with has a nine to five, they have kids, they have other priorities. And so coming up with a training plan that allows them to still focus and keep high priority on those other aspects of life and having running fit in really works. And so again, if I, if I was working with you, for example, I would find ways that you could carve out a half an hour a day just in your normal life. And what we did inside the half an hour, that would be easy. We could figure out, we do some different combinations of speed work where you're working on your top end speed to improve your running economy and then just basic jogging and running. But what happens in that 30 minutes a day would be easy. It's finding the things that get you to love it and then finding ways to fit it in your life schedule. And once we do that, yeah, the other stuff's easy. That's another interesting point you bring up, Kyle, the time aspect of it. And yep. I'm sure you probably hear this a lot. Now, for me now, I will say this. I'm at a point in my life now where I've gotten better at understanding and managing time. And I would say this to everybody. Stop with the excuse of you don't have time, you know. Oh, yeah, that's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you have time replace it with, I tell people all the time now, replace it with this. If it's me, right, with the running, I'm, I don't have time to run. No, really what I'm saying is running's not a priority of mine. Mm -hmm. That's yep, really what it means. And people listening to this, you, you have to stop with the time because all of us, I can guarantee if we sat down, Kyle and I right now, if I told Kyle I didn't have time, 
he could probably sit with me and we could talk about what I do from the time I wake in the morning till I go to bed at night. And I'm sure we'll end up finding two hours of time, right? which, you know, I mean, think about technology, our phones, television, things like that. It's just making it a priority. Um, I am going to say this to everybody listening. And I, I, Kyle, I was thinking about this before we came on. I want to talk to you offline about this. Yeah, I definitely, I want to see about setting up a training program. So anybody listening, I'm committing now today on February 9th to doing a 5k and I'm going to work with Kyle and we're going to actually maybe jump on every now and then a couple minutes here and there to talk about the training and the process. I think that would be kind of cool and see how, how bad I start at it (laughs) to where I end up to eventually when I finally do the 5k and Kyle, I want to say it to you and keep me honest on this. I want to run that 5K spring or June. So I'm not looking okay, to yep. I'm not looking to make this a drawn out year thing. Like, and you probably know from my personality, I'm I'm going to attack this. And with your help, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. So yep. all right. Well, Kyle, thanks so much for this. Is there anything if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, honestly, for like training or things like that do you do anything like that where they could reach out to you yeah so i'll i'll shoot you my personal email address charlie um i'm more than happy to help uh again i work with people across all skill levels at all distances um i do have my coaching license i don't at this point i've never charged anybody for it um it would probably get in the way of my own running and my day job and having two kids under the, the age of three, if I actually charge people for it. So I like to consider myself kind of a running consultant. So I might plagiarize stuff from three different running experts, but what I'll do is I'll take proven material scientifically that works and then I'll package it up. Cause I know that the average person doesn't have the time to put in that kind of training and I'll package it up and put it into a plan that works in somebody's life schedule. So if anybody wants whether it's kind of motivational stuff or they find an article on runner's world that says couch to a marathon, I can help break that plan down and uh, help it work for them. So yeah, I'll send you my personal email address and I'm more than happy to help. I I've been running has been so insanely good to me. Um, I've met some of my best friends. I got introduced to my wife and mother of two kids. Uh, all thanks to running. So running has been so incredibly good to me. So I feel I need to pay it forward. So if anybody has any questions or comments, um, if you're looking at getting into ultra running, that's something I can definitely help with. Uh, one last plug for ultra running is I think it's, it's people like to start with shorter distances and progress up and that makes perfect sense. That's natural. But the thing people don't appreciate with ultra running is that it's, it's for all shapes, speeds, and sizes. And so it's some of these hundred mile races, people have 30 hours to finish them. And I don't know the exact math, but 30 hours and a hundred miles, it's like a 16 or 17 minute mile, which is what most people would walk at a conversational pace. And so there's people at these ultra races that if you saw them on the street, you would not think their ass is going to do a hundred miles, but they love it. They like to suffer. They go out and they walk through the woods 
for a hundred miles and finish under 30 hours. And so if you're considering getting into running, but you don't think the speed element or you're not motivated to knock out some personal best at a shorter distance, look at ultra marathoning because there's not that pressure. If, if I come into work the next day and tell somebody uh, I ran a hundred miles, they're going to think it's great. They're not going to give a shit what my time is. So yeah, don't, don't write off getting into ultra running just because the distances sound intimidating. In some ways, it can actually set up for beginners versus doing a shorter race where it's you're going to get punched in the face early and you might not like that pain. So keep all your options open if you're new into running. And there's definitely a distance or a race for, for everybody. So look forward to hopefully helping out some of your listeners and doing what I can to help. In my mind, flip-flops right away hearing you say that, right? <laughs> I'm not going to lie because obviously we know and we've talked about it. I don't mind getting punched in the face. So yep. I, I'm everybody's a playing until they get punched in the face. That Mike Tyson quote. But but the 5K, now, yeah. now you got me sitting here going, you know what? Shit. Maybe we should just go right for the ultra. Yeah. And we'll, I, I think, we'll I mean, I think your example is, is kind of in line with that. Again, I think the 5k, it's going to be more manageable. Um, you can control a lot of the variables and training that you'd experience in a 5k. Um, but yeah, if you're feeling outdoorsy and I know there is a lot of good trail running in Eastern Pennsylvania with, uh, the Appalachian trail. And there's a really, there's been some national level ultra runners that have came out of the Philly area. So it, there's definitely a community there. Um, so yeah, if you're looking to, if you're looking for that scenario where you're going to get thrown into the deep end of the pool and you're going to need to learn how to swim, um, looking at an ultra might be something to explore. Yeah, that, that actually sounds maybe more my speed, if I'm being totally honest. I, I've already dealt with the, like you said, the pain, right? I think I need to get better at suffering and doing 100 miles over 30 hours, that might actually take me to all the places in my head that I don't <laughs> want to go, but I need to go there so that I can push through it. You might see my old ass trying to do an ultra run and we'll see how that goes. Um, it's a cool story to tell at a bar too. And you go in a bar and tell people you run a hundred miles. They don't really care about anything else. So that's, that that's an extra perk to it as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, Kyle, I really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much. Yeah, and definitely. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks again. And we'll be definitely in touch. Take cool. care. Thank you. Bye. This has been the Bear Essentials. Thanks for listening. And remember, never hibernate on your goals. 